Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor... Welcome to the Internet Advisor, your place for answers to your computer questions since 1998, with your co-hosts Gary Baker and Foster Brown and their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook and through Twitter. But right now it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. Welcome to our new home here on WJR. 5 to 7 o'clock in the afternoon. Hi, I'm Foster Brown, the co-host and the producer of the program, the Internet Advisor. Delighted to be with you. We've got a couple of young men in studio who have developed an app to help students and parents, the people who pay for the books, combat the bookstore hustle, where you buy the books for an awful lot of money and turn them in for an awful little amount of money. All that coming up, including the man who likes Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. Well, this is kind of one of those good news, bad news uh, situations in which the good news is that we're here for two hours on a regular basis. Uh, The bad news is we're at a different time, so you might have tuned in uh, wondering what in the world's going on at this particular time. Well, it's more of the same good stuff you've enjoyed with the Internet Advisor. We're now on, instead of from 4 to 6, we're on from 5 until 7 on Saturdays, immediately following our friend Dr. Dean Krauskopf. My crew is in studio here, so I'm just going to Say hello to Dr. Dean right away. Hey, it's good to be back. I really, I feel badly about having all your loyal listeners totally confused. But, uh, <laughs> you know what? There's no bad news here. This no, is great. No, We'd love no. to have you back. Well, and it's we're good on to for be two back, hours. And it's good to see all of you. And I, you know, it's great to be back. It's it's spring. I hope maybe for another couple of days. Maybe. <laughs> I had snow on my car a couple of days ago. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I I take credit for that because I got rid of my snow shovel and the snow brush. I put them in the garage, yeah. and the next day I had four inches sitting on top. Oh of the no, yeah. it was your yeah. fault. Okay, now Thanks. we know who's my fault. fault. Was. I will right. take responsibility. <laughs> hey, did you get snow out where where you are north? Yeah, of about it? an inch of slush, oh. and that's about it. And it pretty much melted the next. We didn't day. get anything in the Detroit area. They really? said, you know, look for three inches. Of you snow had, and I thought, oh. I was up in the Lansing area and it was kind of nasty up there. So. Okay, it but did. It, the next day it was gone. Further yeah. north it was. And I did go look for that three inches. I looked on my television set and saw it somewhere else. <laughs> I was real happy yeah, about right. it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Let Dean, it go. What do you do with yourself in the off season? This is kind of like the swallows returning to San Juan well, Capistrano, you know? I've been married 48 years, so I do whatever my wife tells me. <laughs> and no, an extensive list because we know who she is and we know that's, that, that, we know that list. she's probably listening, so she'll write that one down and I will pay for that crap. Well, I have to ask the question that everybody doesn't ask. And it, how's things over at Castle Dean in Scotland? Well, Castle Dean, the last I heard, was hit, getting hit with a Northwester and they were having 100 mile an hour wins but that's no. okay oh my well goodness. for those of you who don't know the story that for a while there we owned a lighthouse on the west coast of the shetland islands 
And 100-mile-an-hour winds are not uncommon at all yeah. because there's nothing. It's the North Sea and the North Atlantic oh all Lord. the way to Greenland, and it, they tend to get going. And it's withstood those kind of winds Since for— Since 1927. Yeah, uh, the walls yeah. on that tower are four feet solid concrete, re, the wow. reinforced concrete. The reinforcements are one-inch square because I actually looked at one one wow. day. Wow, they build it when they build a lighthouse. They build it to stay where it's supposed to be, <laughs> and it's you know? it's still it's, it's a very important part of navigation in that area. It is because that's a major oil terminal, natural oh, gas terminal now. Right. And everybody says, "Why do you need lighthouses?" And I point out to you, your batteries go dead on your GPS once in a while. You know, that's it, why you need a lighthouse. <laughs> you know, it, it reminds me of a of a joke where, you know, very foggy morning. Uh, Ships coming down the channel sees a light says, you know, big uh, you know horn and says, excuse me, uh, we're a big freighter. You need to get out of our way. And the response was, we're we're a lighthouse. <laughs> I was talking to a ship's captain of one of these big cruise ships once, and he says it's really worrisome because many of the new officers coming out don't know how to use a paper map hmm. or oh the my. hand tools. And if you noticed. Um, for, what, a year ago or so, there was a thing in the paper where the Annapolis, the Naval Academy, had stopped teaching classic navigation with sextants and all that. Oh, really? And they said, we're going back. Because if you can think about what would happen on a cruise oh, ship, if the yeah. electronics were right. dead, mm-hmm. what about on a warship? Yep. So they're going back, and now they actually have to do it the old-fashioned way. Well, you know, that reminds me. I was going. That reminds me of of our, where we're going with autonomous vehicles. And at some mm. point, at what point is it? You know, and you don't need a driver's license anymore. Mm. Right? Well, we Very were talking about the, uh, and hopefully sometime we'll get an opportunity. There's some great new electronic gardening aids and apps and things like mm-hmm. this. But then we're talking about the Internet of Things, and we're getting down to okay, we have now an Internet of the Garden too, where they can control have sensors in your beds. They will water, fertilize, do all this, and it's all computer Remarkable. controlled on the Internet. And then I'm thinking about well, maybe next time it won't be ransomware for your computer data, it'll be <laughs> ransomware for your dahlias. You got to sleep your number for your flower bed instead of your bed. That's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that yet, but I'll think I'll have to work on that. One. Okay. Like that. We're talking with Dr. Dean Krausgrove, who is the host of the WJR Gardening Show, which is just before us from 4 until 5 now, and then we're on from 5 until 7. Dean, what does it look like for the spring, just in general, as people are looking out? I was really worried early with that early warm spell and then the cold and everything. I think it's going to be a good spring. I think many of us, and me included, are not realizing how advanced we are right now, how much things have progressed uh, if we get a, a temperature below 28 or 26 degrees for any length of time, like four, five, six, eight hours, in the next two weeks, we're going to get massive damage. But that Ooh. isn't projected. Okay, okay. now oh, I have good. to ask, tart cherries this year. Last I heard, we're all right. Everybody's got their fingers crossed. I've yeah. not talked to anybody up in Traverse City in about a week. Okay. So I do not know. Yeah. What about with all the rain that we've had over the winter time? Is that is that going to be an issue for us this year? It is. Um, and I've got, if you want to check my website, just put a plug in for that. I got do two, that, please. two great rswjr.com forward slash the gardening show. Okay. Uh, and I've got two great articles about what happens if your tree's standing in water or your lawn is totally underwater. And basically, if it drains off in about three or four or five days, we're probably all right. 
Longer than that, we have major issues. But the long-term issues is that that has to be looked at because that means that over a period of time, drainage is an issue. Something else is going on that's allowing that water to pond, just because, not because we got yeah. drowned. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dean, again, let's have that website again, please. WJR.com forward slash The Gardening Show. The Gardening Show. Dr. Dean Krauskopf with us at 4 to 5 weekly. And by the way... We're going to make an appointment then for having you back to talk about some of those new applications. we got some new great apps that really do work. That's New fantastic. generation of them out there. Back in just a moment to talk with two young men who have developed a wonderful application. Well, Gary, as you know, well, one of the things that we've uh, focused our program on now for almost 20 years has been one aspect of it is to highlight Michigan businesses that are online or are producing uh, applications for Lyme? That's right. All the online companies uh, in the in the Michigan area and Midwest and uh, trying to help them promote themselves uh, mm-hmm. to people so that we, even though we're, you know, purchasing online or we're going online to get information, we do that uh, with our local companies. And especially when those local companies are started by entrepreneurs that are, say, mm-hmm. Younger than us? Does that include just about everybody? Just a bit. (laughs) Just a bit. Matter of fact, about the age of some of my grandchildren, uh, we are talking about two fine young men from the Detroit area, Daryl Lewis and Sean Fair Jr. They are juniors at Kalamazoo College. Guys, welcome. Daryl, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having us. You're a hometown fellow, I understand. Yes, I'm from right here in Detroit. All right. And you are as well, Sean? Absolutely. I'm from Southfield, Michigan. Oh, it's fantastic that you guys are here. Now, you guys have developed something. I well, The first time I saw this, and I want to thank Vicki Foley and uh, Sherry Hendrinos from uh, Boost One Marketing that uh, gave us the lead for you folks. Uh, I, I thought, finally, because I know from my, my, ch- my children, which will be the age of your parents, can feel the pain <laughs> of the, book, the cost of books. Absolutely. They're incredible in college, aren't they? How much would you pay, for instance, uh, Sean, for last semester? Let's say last semester, I, I estimate that I spent about four to five hundred dollars on textbooks, and wow. I, I knew that I wasn't going to go back to the bookstore because it wasn't worth it. Why isn't it worth it, Daryl? Uh, well, you go to your bookstore on your campus and you spend, like Sean said, five hundred dollars, and then you go to a book buyback at the end of the semester. You know, they have flyers all around your campus, and then you get there and it's a disappointment. I mean, they offer you. You're being kind. <laughs> Disappointments <laughs> is highway robbery. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I remember, you know, my freshman year, I had a calculus book that I spent two hundred dollars on. Ouch! And uh, I got back to the book buyback, and they basically told me. They couldn't buy it back from me because a new edition had just come out. Oh, that so. is cruel. Ed, we were talking about this coming in as a dad yep. of somebody and your your son. Yeah, how many times I've gone up there where you get our student loans and, you know, the federal grants and stuff like that. And then, so the classes are paid for and then we get to the books and it's like, we're $200 short of the $500 total. We only had $300 left in our oh, student loan. Wow. Dad whips out his MasterCard. You know? Yeah, yeah. So everybody's feeling the pain in that sense. Yeah. So you guys decided, you know, we're... We're sick and tired of this. We're not going to take it anymore, as the uh, as the line was in the uh, movie networking. <laughs> right. <laughs> Close to that, at least. Uh, so tell me what you guys did about that. We'll start with you, Daryl. So we, after that book buyback, we, we start thinking together in my dorm room, actually. And, 
you know, we were always on our phones. I mean, my parents can attest to that as a college student. <laughs> I think about any parent now yeah. listening to this program can attest to that. Yeah, so we just, we would be on Facebook, you know, social media and see, you know, our classmates posting about, you know, I have this book for sale. Is anybody interested? And, you know, ah. we coupled that with always being on our phones already and just thought of a different alternative to buying books that would, you know, fit into our, our lifestyles already. I'm amazed that this hasn't existed already, isn't it? So are we. So are we. Honestly, <laughs> when we were doing some of the market research, when we first started uh, making this a reality, we noticed that there wasn't a direct competitor anywhere besides no. Amazon, but we're affiliated yeah. with them. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen countless attempts at it. It was very obvious looking at the app store that, you know, there was an app called My Beeble that was also um, trying to do the exact same thing, but they had an unfinished product and they weren't in the Google Play market. So uh, what's the name of your product? It's called Book Cycle. Okay. Book I just want to get that out uh, right away, what it, what it was. Thank now, you. And, and I, what were your majors? I mean, because you guys are in college, and are, are you programmers, business students? What? What? Were you? We're both business majors. I'm a Chinese minor. I'm a history minor. I love okay. Chinese. Oh minor. my God! I was gonna say you don't look Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, you don't look Chinese. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it was yeah. <laughs> it was interesting because uh, when my daughter went to school. I was actually the CIO of Gale, uh, which was part of Cengage Learning, one of the three big educational publishers. So every time somebody would complain about this, I'd just say, you know, thank you, you're paying my salary, right? <laughs> uh, but my daughter got a, uh, a discount. Well, my son is now a freshman up at uh, Michigan State. He's going, Dad, it's not fair. You're not getting discounts anymore. I said, you know, it almost doesn't matter. The, the books have gotten so expensive yeah. that, uh, you know, just you take out a small mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. how, how does your app work? Book Cycle is the name of the app. Okay, it's, it's super simple. So you go on to either the Google Play Store if you have an Android phone or mm-hmm. the Apple App Store if you have an iPhone. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a white box with a green triangle on the inside. That. By the way, on our if you go to internetadvisor.net, we have the logo for the for the book cycle, and we also have a link there as well to the book cycle uh, site. Go ahead. Awesome. So what you do is you log in. If you have an account, you can use Facebook, Google+, or if you want to make a new profile, it takes about 30 seconds. Give mm-hmm. us some very basic information. You're in. You're all set up. You can go into the app and add a book. It takes maybe 5 to 10 seconds. Okay. Um, you... Slide over to the menu page, click add a book, take a picture of it, ISBN scanner, done. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so you don't even have to uh, type in the uh, ISDN number at all. You can yeah. just take a photo of it. And I imagine you guys have the, your app has the ability to look up the book title from that and put all the pertinence in there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So then how, how do you get the prices going on this? You know, in other words, do you start, ha- how do you fix a price for something that say you put up Daryl? Like that $200 trig book. (laughs) The cool thing about our app is that each user, you know, names their own price. So for us as college students, we have the ability to, you know, put our price instead of, you know, letting it be decided by a book publisher or our school's bookstore. Mm, So after you, you know, upload your book and set the price, you can, we have a chat function in our app. So other students can chat with you directly through the app. And, you know, you just go back and forth and, you know, you 
find a price that works for both of you. And then from there, you can set up a meeting, whether that be on your campus, at the bookstore, from your co- at a coffee shop, mm-hmm. wherever you want to meet. And it's just that simple, really. Okay, so it is a hands-off type of thing, not a mail thing. So I would imagine, you know, I'm not going to drop one in the mail. So you have the ability with your app to choose maybe a campus already? Yeah, so we what we did was we used Google Maps. So whatever okay. city you register your profile with, you can get books from that city so we did that so you can get Kalamazoo for us for example we can go get books from Kalamazoo College or you know if it's not there we can go right down the street to Western Michigan oh that makes much better sense excellent excellent okay how long has this app been out guys so the app has been out for it's been a month now okay We, we launched it in March uh, it's been a long process, over a year, really. I, I want to talk about that process, but how is it going for you now? I know you. this is just first steps, baby steps right now, but how is it going for you, Sean? It's going great. Honestly, we're getting a lot of traction, and we're seeing, especially in Kalamazoo, um, I don't know if Daryl mentioned this, but you can go to the search page and you can see everyone who's uploaded a book in your city, Oh, and it comes up automatically. So you're first thing aware of who's around you mm-hmm. and who's selling what. Oh, that really is cool. So then, uh, okay, so that, and that chat function is important too for for guys your age, right? Mm-hmm. That ability to, to, to chat back and forth about it. So right. how are, they, are people be happy with prices they're getting for their books? You don't, nodding doesn't work on the radio. <laughs> so uh, right now, uh, like I said, the app has been out for a month. Yeah. So we're still trying to generate traction. Okay. Um, we're okay. constantly trying to implement new features and uh, feed off of the feedback that we get from our users to you know Good. make the app as best as we can yeah. from from our user base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to realize we're right in between semesters. That's true. And we're at the end of the semester right now. Yep. And so the only people that are really giving up the books are probably the people that have dropped out or had some <laughs> books lying around. <laughs> and I'm teasing. I'm saying that yeah. tongue in cheek. No, but really. I, and that was partly why I thought it was really kind of serendipitous that we got these guys in here right now, right. because it's coming to a time when you're going to be you're going to want to be out there. Right. Getting those books and getting good money for the books. Okay, it's called Book Cycle. And when we come back in just a moment, I'm anxious to find out what the process was like as you guys decided, okay, this is a good idea. How do we get from idea to reality with this application? It's called Book Cycle. And our guests are Daryl Lewis and Sean Fair. Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, Edward L. Cal Carson, in studio with us, a couple of enterprising young men from Kalamazoo College. Uh, they are Detroit uh, natives, Daryl Lewis and Sean Fair Jr. And we're talking about an application that they've created called Book Cycle, which is geared towards helping college students, or actually anybody, to sell a book for a much better price than you can get when you go to bookstores and the college campuses and are kind of held hostage to whatever they want to give you yeah. back on that book that might have cost 200 bucks and they can they can just simply say oh well there's a new edition <laughs> yeah we won't even year. pay you anything for that anymore because we've we've shifted uh, to another edition the um, application is called book cycle and again you can find it at bookcycle.us or you can go to the apple bookstore the app store pardon me or to google play Right? Absolutely. Okay, excellent. I'm just curious how you guys, you know, you saw the I you saw the issue and it's it's an obvious one. I'm just wondering why yeah. other people haven't come up with it. But how did you get from the idea for this to the place where you're creating the application? And Gary asked the question about I think Gary or Ed asked the question, are you computer majors to start with? Or 
No, both of us are actually coders? business majors. We have no technical experience. And this process, start to finish, has been one of the most arduous things that we've ever you know, had to accomplish. We started off with a small team of college students. No one really knew what to do or how to get things going, but we knew what we wanted to see at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so, so we started... Did someone have a question? No, no, I just go ahead. Okay. So we started off um, just on LinkedIn. I was really trying to find someone who could develop the app because you can have a business plan, you can have a marketing plan yeah, and all these yeah. other things, but without the actual product, you, you have <laughs> zero value. Right. So... Uh, I linked up with a company out in Omaha, Nebraska called CP3O LLC, and they manage and um, take care of all the development and production of the BookCycle application. Ah. That's, it's, it's so awesome. And we met through LinkedIn, and you know we had a few That's phone calls, and we built some rapport, and the company is still here with us a year and a half later. So what kind of other help did you get? from, say, K College or somebody in the local small business development center there in Kalamazoo? I mean, there's lots of, of people that say they try to help young entrepreneurs like you, but did you reach out or did you get any help from them? Daryl? Yeah, we went to Western Michigan, actually. Um, they had a small business startup you know, seminar, and we talked to uh. a lady for about an hour one day. You know, we just went through you know, the app and the different things we had to do. Um, with the whole business process, but you know our biggest help has really been from friends and family. Um, they've just been with us from the very beginning and believed in us and our idea. And wow. at every step, they've been there for us. Kel, did it require a, a large amount of capital? And if so, how did you get a hold of the capital? And when is the IPO going? <laughs> well, it, it it took more money than the average college student has in their bank account, um, <laughs> or which their is parents, mi- which is minus something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a lot of um, you know equity investments. Like Daryl said, we talked to friends, we talked to family, uh, fellow classmates. Actually, pitched in, and and that's how we raised the capital. Wow, did, was it like through a GoFundMe or something like that? Nope, we, we exchanged a percentage equity in the company for um, a certain amount of money, and yeah. everyone pitched in, and now we're here. I know. Is it is it bad etiquette to ask how much in, it, it took to make this get off the ground? Uh, you know, we don't... You don't, have to, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to. It's not even that. It's just that... Um, Every so we built the app in stages, and uh-huh. you know I can't remember the exact amount of money, but I just know that at every step, you know, it was an uncle or you know a grandparent <laughs> I love to, it. To, to help us. It's, it was a a lot and b more than we had. Yeah, it, it sounds like they're typical of entrepreneurs. They were more engrossed in the spirit of creating the product, getting it going, getting it up and going, and you know, well, if the money comes in, fine, we'll just keep it rolling. <laughs> but isn't your Wi Fi fast? Fascinating is think of how many college dorms have birthed incredible uh, ventures. Uh, Facebook, you know, is yeah. one of them. You know, that grew out of really keen well, minds. A lot of the Microsoft stuff was created, you know, right there in that college dorm. I mean, it was Bill Gates and uh, that other guy that makes all the noise. 
Uh, that oh, went that to one? Michigan. Yeah. Oh no, you're. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about. No, Steve about. wasn't. He didn't join until oh, much Ballmer. later. Yeah, yeah, but Steve Ballmer, but at any rate, but, but Paul mean, Allen was the one. Yeah, of the Paul first, Allen, yeah. and 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 they they did a lot of stuff in the college dorm room as well before they actually got. You know, and they're really from big. the Detroit area too. Was it country? Well, Steve, yeah, Steve country Ballmer day, was. Yep. Detroit country day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you guys are in a good place. Go ahead, three. Yeah, Foster. So going back to uh, the mention on Facebook, I was watching the Social Network this weekend. It's a movie about Mark Zuckerberg and how he created Facebook. Yeah. And I I had a revelation that day. You know, I wanted to push the app, the app, the app, but the app doesn't work without users. And that's that's, right. that's the value to anything is the users. So I just like to say that you know, this can't work if we don't come together in our in our communities, our respective communities, and start to bridge the gap. You know, if you should be able yeah. to go to your next door neighbor and say, hey, uh, I saw that you have this book. Can I borrow yeah, it? Yeah. Just like you should be able to ask for a cup of sugar. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of, what they call it, the barter economy. I think that's been, it's been talked about online. And it's, it's given big companies fits because essentially what you can do, Daryl, is, is do exactly that. And you've created your app so that you can a, see the people who are nearby, who have books and things like that. And then you create that chat link with them as well, which I think is a really effective way of communicating. Yeah, I forgot to mention that you don't even have to sell your book. You can just trade it. Oh, um, doesn't even have to be any cash or anything involved. You can just, if you're done with the book, you can trade it with your classmate, with yeah. your neighbor, whatever. Oh, that's so cool. And, yeah. and, and I don't know if we mentioned this, but last segment we were talking about uh, um, whether or not it had mail capability. And you confirmed that it does have the ability that you can drop it off at the post office and mail it somewhere. So that's good to know, too. Right. Yep. And so it, it actually is designed to be a user autonomous experience, mm-hmm. meaning that if you want to mail it, you can mail it. If you want to walk it down the street, you can walk it down the street. Mm-hmm. And if you want to meet at Dairy Queen, get some ice cream with your book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A little plug for DQ in there as well. You know, one of the other things, too, is I'm, I, our audience, I'm going to guess, is mainly made up of the parents and, and relatives of people like yourselves who are in mm-hmm. college and maybe involved in, in not all, and paying for the books that you guys are using. Yeah. <laughs> but in addition to that, Maybe has some of their own books. Can they get in on this as well? Yeah, I'll I'll tell you when I we first when I first told my mom about it, you know, she was excited because she wouldn't have to, you know, keep paying for expensive college books, but she has like 200 books just collecting dust in our garage, you know, cuz we were always reading as kids. So Oh she, she she loves this app. You know, <laughs> I can imagine. And I, I was thinking that when my kids went to school, I still have one in, in college, that they never brought a single book back with them from college. And I know those little squirrels cashed in those books and kept the money and didn't tell me about it. <laughs> you know, I know they did. <laughs> and they should have, too, because you know, if they don't get it right, done right away, sometimes they get locked out because yeah. a new edition or whatever. Yeah, so exactly. I'm encouraging my son, I said, as soon as you're done with it, Get to the bookstore, get it cashed in before they, you know, before they become worthless. Well, this would work for Justin up at State, right. wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell him about it. I, you know, I just went to the um, iTunes store uh, to see if I could get it. And I put in, like we typically do sometimes, book cycle, no, just one word. And I couldn't get it up. It came up to map my run and other mm. stuff. And I thought, what? So then I put in the space between book and ah, cycle. Okay. It came right up. And, and you'll know it because uh, it looks like a bike recycle, book recycle right. program. And how much Thank does it cost, guys? Yeah. 
It's free. It's free. Absolutely. That's free. the best price of all. It's absolutely free. So this is something that you can tell, uh, you know, the young people in your family, folks who are listening to us right now. Uh, it's a great resource. It's absolutely free. And uh, you guys are at you're kind of on the cusp. I, you got to come back to us. Uh, in a little while and tell us maybe at the end of the summer how this has been working for you because you're entering a period now where this is going to be summer semester not the biggest one no but but it'll be um it'll be a good test case to see what's going on and then of course next autumn is the big one is that that's when everyone goes back to school so yeah i'm really looking forward to hearing back from you guys see how this ramps up you love to be back so do you have visions of becoming the next mark zuckerberg uh you we uh, we have a vision of being two two people who made a difference, being Daryl Lewis and Sean Fair. That's yeah. really what a great cool. Comment. Mark Zuckerberg's a great guy, though. <laughs> well, that is a great, really great great site. It's a great uh, goal to have, a great vision to have. Thank Our you. two guests here have been uh, Daryl Lewis and Sean Fair Jr. They're juniors at Kalamazoo College. Okay, guys, let's say it again. Uh, the app is called Book Cycle. That's C-Y-C-L-E. And uh, as Gary said, remember when you're looking for it, either in iTunes or the App Store or on Google Play, put a space in there between right. book and cycle. Or you can go to bookcycle.us, right? Correct. And that is the website. And we have a link, too. If you don't remember any of that, go to our site and link right off to it. Guys, thanks so much for being with us. The very best to you in this. Awesome. You as well, Foster. May you barter and sell many books. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back in just a moment for MI Tech News with Mr. Mike Brennan. It's about that time of the program to bring on the uh, man who brings us all the news headlines that are fit to print. That's Mr. Mike Brennan, who is the editor at MI Tech News. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks, Foster. We try to print just the headlines we think people need to know. So. That's exactly it. And uh, I'm. What it, you have a motto on your on your website that I saw the other day, and I thought that's a really great one to. Um, do you covering know? the businesses driving Michigan technology. That's it. Covering the businesses driving Michigan technology. And that is really the focus of uh, what MI Tech News is all about. So it can, it, it can happen, I mean, it can touch in a lot of areas, including the uh, federal area and nationally, and it can also be locally as well. Um, one of the pieces of good news that you shared here, and it's an impressive one, is that Michigan technology industries added more than 10,700 jobs last year in 2016. Yeah, the cyber states report that uh, they measure that every year. There's an estimated 220, well, almost 222,000 people in the state that are classified as a technology worker. Mm -hmm. A lot of those, of course, would be engineers related to the auto industry, but a lot of other fields as well. You know, uh, life sciences and and biotech is really, really big in the state. Right. So it would be all those folks. All those folks at Ann Arbor working on the internet stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody else. So it, it's uh, you know five point five percent of the total employment base now. But I mean, there's a lot of people. You could argue that do technology stuff that may not be part of the survey. I think the number is actually bigger. Yeah. But these are just the hardcore, pure, you know, designations. Yeah. Gary has often mentioned in the past, you know, when we think of the auto industry, uh, some people may be uh, tempted to think of it in terms of uh, nuts and bolts and hoods on cars and, you know, these hardcore, and not so much technology, but there's been a tremendous amount of development of technology that has come with the auto industry as well. Well, just think of the CNC operators. Are they yep. considered a technology worker? Yep. And yep. 
they're in every factory. Right, so, and uh, the robotics that are going on right now, a tremendous amount of technology involved in all aspects. And it's also with uh, the autonomous vehicles coming out, the tremendous oh, work doing yeah. there as well. All right, another headline we saw there was that, I love this, U.S. lawmakers are telling customs agents to get a warrant before they search phones at the border. Yeah, on Tuesday, uh, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon and our, our friend from down south, Rand Paul, uh, introduced some legislation that would require customs to do what everybody else has to do in law enforcement and have probable cause and get a warrant. Right now, I don't know if you know this, anybody, including U.S. citizens, people with green cards, coming into the country, they can take your smartphone and make you give them the password, and they can check it out for any reason that they just, you know, if they're having a bad day, you know, or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. they can make you do it. And so, personally, I'm, you know, I'm a big privacy advocate, so that really, uh, I'm glad they're doing this. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that really, that really spooked me when I saw that. I didn't realize it. We, we think of it, we're kind of immune as U.S. citizens to this, but no. that's not the case anymore. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. So what this would make it is so anybody that's a U.S. citizen or has a green card or living legally in the U.S., mm-hmm. would they'd still you could have your phone seized or whatever, but, but they'd need a warrant. They'd need probable cause in order to do it, other than, you know, they're going to look at you and go, gee, you look like you could be a bad person. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So. Uh, he, uh, something in this headline that I, I found interesting, and, and I guess it's in time for uh, the people who will be vacationing up north, especially in the northwest part of the Lower Peninsula, AT&T is going to be upgrading the wireless 4G LTE networks in that area of Michigan, around Traverse City. Am I right? And uh, Yeah, Traverse City, uh, Kalkaska, Rapid City, all through that area up there. Uh, as anybody that knows that travels up there, it's kind of catches catch can when Absolutely. it comes to yeah. using your devices. Yeah. Um, and so 4G LTE, I mean, essentially, you know, pretty fast, uh, not as fast as when 5G comes in, whenever that sure. might be. Yeah. I still think it would be towards the end of the year. But it takes oh. them a while to uh, build out the towers to, in order to do this, yep. and, and now they have, and just in time for tourism, too. Yeah, and exactly. A lot of tourists go up there. There's so. a total of six towers, I guess, in your article. Am I right when I saw that? Yeah, right. So that are coming up there, and and the nice thing about that is that there is an AT and T backbone that goes up the middle of the state. Am I right to the bridge? Yeah, I, I, generally, if you're near the major freeways, you're okay. Uh, they, yep. uh, you know, your phones work just fine. It's just when you get into more rural areas. Right. Uh, in a way that you run into these issues. And Traverse City had just had 3G, essentially, before that. And oh. Really slow, um, you know. And then you're limited. If you're going to do anything video with data, you really are slow. So. That's interesting. So it'd be a, it's big news for development of those areas as well, I would think, then, Mike. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's been a Not lot of talk tourists. about that for years, that when broadband goes into the northern part of the state, a lot of the entrepreneurs will leave the cities and go back up there because it's you know if you're really into the outdoors that's where you want to be but but you couldn't get any work done you know <laughs> have it, internet business yep. you know so. it's kind of interesting <laughs> I I had a conversation maybe like a three years ago I think I talked about it at the time when I came back from my my vacation we were at a coffee shop in uh, an internet cafe essentially in Gladwin Michigan which sadly has closed but uh, and I was talking with a guy who was vacationing up there a business owner, and he said, I would, without hesitation, retire up here. I love this area if I could get broadband internet connections up here. And uh, now I think uh, that kind of connection has come into uh, Gladwin, uh, but 
it's typical of so many of those areas of Michigan that their development is being limited by the lack of broadband. And this yeah. is certainly good news. Uh, oh, it's an interesting article that you had there as well that I want to talk a little bit more about. Uh, there was a report that Michigan could be the state most affected by a border tax. Yeah, uh, that's based on the fact that uh, anything it hasn't passed yet, but if it does, anything coming in from Canada or Mexico would be hit with this tax. And right now, uh, Michigan's gross domestic product is around $448 billion, $122.7 billion of which would be affected by this tax. And we know if it's coming in from Canada and Mexico, most likely it's related to the auto industry mm. and they're just in time. So that means they're going to pass that along to consumers, right? I mean, if yeah. prices go up, so are the car prices are going to go up. So this is not a, in Michigan is the most effective, even more so than California by percentage basis, twenty four percent. Well, as you said, the stuff coming across the border is part of the just in time manufacturing. Wow, that really is impressive. Okay, Mike, uh, this is, these are just, uh, folks, some samples of the headlines that you will find in MI Tech News. Now, also on Wednesdays, you actually have two deliveries. On Wednesday, you deliver not only these headlines, but you also deliver some video and some audio. Matter of fact, much more now than before our podcast and IT in the D and a lot of that is delivered along with a lot of video content as well. Yeah, and then, of course, the show that Matt and I do every Monday, M-Squared TechCast, right. uh, we do that live, and then it goes up as a podcast. Most people listen to it on demand rather than live. Mm -hmm. uh, but now video, yeah, we have this new product called the Video News Update. We're experimenting with it with Automation Alley right now. It's yep. starting to really take off. Good. Take, took a little while, but mm -hmm. take it off. And uh, my one of my lead salespeople is chomping at the bit to walk it into other organizations. We've talked to SPAM about it and a few others. So, uh, and as I've said before on the show, by 2020, 80% or so of what moves on social media is going to be video. So yep. that's, we've got to go there. This is our summer. We are hoping with... Uh the Internet Advisor, that we can move into video this summer with Facebook Live. We'll, we'll see, folks. And uh, <laughs> take the covers off of the group uh, who are in studio here. Mike, thanks so much. Mike Brennan, who's the editor of MI Tech News. Mike, how do you subscribe to it? It's free. It's absolutely free, and you simply go to you go to mitechnews.com or you can go to internetadvisor.net and either place you can find a way of just putting your email address in there and sending it off to us and we'll get make sure that you're subscribed for this. Mike, thanks so much. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Marcy. You too. All right. Take care. Guys, when we come back, it's going to be time for the listeners to chime in with their questions. That's right. It's going to be a little bit later than we've been doing all along. We're on now until 7 o'clock this evening. And what you need to do is to call 800-859-0956. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, theinternetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong, and many other resources. You'll also find links to MITechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Now, let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. 
Welcome to our number two of the Internet Advisor. And on a regular basis, this is where we're going to be between five and seven on Saturday evenings. And we hope that you'll stick around if you have a question about your computer, about your digital device that you'd like to ask. This is the place to be. The door is open and it's toll free from anywhere that you're listening to our voice. 800-859-0957. That's 800-859-0WJR. Welcome. It's hour number two of the Internet Advisor. And that is your hour. You who? <laughs> you who? Uh, I'm talking about you folks who are the listeners to our program who have been with us for, oh, some of you for almost all of the 20 years that we've been on the air. Uh, Gary Baker, Ed Riddell, and Cal Carson in studio here, ready to answer your questions. And uh, the only question that's a dumb question is the one you don't ask. So please don't feel like, you know, oh, gee, my question's not, you know, is it pretty simple? That's quite all right. Because there are people out there who have that same simple question. Oh, I had some people that uh, one of my wife's friends called me today. She has no problem calling me at all, <laughs> all the time. Actually, she hasn't. I haven't. She hasn't called me in four months. So that's uh, she's pretty good. But she's probably in her eighties, and uh, she goes, Ed, don't even buy, just fix it. Don't tell me. I'm not going to remember. <laughs> just you know, write it down if you want. You know, and I'll put it with my notes uh, because I'm 80 years. I'm not going to remember that stuff. And it was a pretty simple request, wasn't it, about it, the keyboard? The keyboard stopped working, yeah, and yeah. she changed the batteries in her Microsoft keyboard. Remember, Microsoft did used to make other hardware devices other than yes. the Surface, and that was the joke in the past. Is that my, yeah? Does Microsoft make any hardware besides software? Yeah, they make a mouse and a keyboard. That's really all. That, they make. that was really all they did. At that and now time, they yeah. make though. They make you know the Xbox and they make the Surface. The surface as well yeah, yeah. And as a matter of fact a pretty good product excellent uh, product. an excellent product from what a lot of people have to say and oh, the keyboard must be 15 years old and it's still kicking <laughs> i don't know that's amazing does well, microsoft and, actually do make those products i mean they designed them they have manufacturing facilities and that sort of thing or do or is it just something that they just kind of give guidelines to and then order it i have no idea okay yeah i don't know either you know most of the companies don't make their own uh components they buy components and assemble them and i would guess microsoft at least um does that part maybe they assemble them and maybe they don't even do that i'm not yeah. really sure you know that's I, a, I that's tore, a very good question i did tear apart a a keyboard one time and it actually had microsoft etched into the circuit board wow oh so wow. you know like a similar like an apple yeah when you look at you yeah, know, yeah, apple yeah. doesn't well they make their own circuit boards for the most part, right? Or yeah. they have, uh, well, you, they, they, you know. they create the specifications in California, make the prototypes, and then like everybody else, they ship them over to China, have, you know, built mass quantities. Yeah. yeah. But, but they actually have like a tie-in to the manufacturing as opposed to, I, 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 I didn't know whether Microsoft actually does have a tie-in manufacturing. Well, I'm sure they do, but whether they actually are the company that, that manufacturers not sure you yeah. know they they certainly will take and and um do quality control checks and things like that because um they they've said they've done that but again i don't know about that you know and and that's a good point speaking of quality control checks did you hear to the extent that uh uh, Samsung has gone to guarantee that their oh, Samsung yeah. 7 phones are going to be uh, hit the market with fireproof. <laughs> yeah, or was it the 8 Samsung 8? I think yeah, the Samsung the, 8. I think it's yeah. the 8 it's because the, the 7's yeah. already yeah. out. They're actually burning. running these things for 24 hours, have yeah. temperature monitors on every phone device, 10,000 devices every 24 hours. Well, you know, and there's a, a perfect case of Samsung doesn't make their own batteries. They buy the batteries, and it wasn't Samsung. It yeah. was their supplier for the batteries that, 
that was the problem. Right, right? and they take x-rays of the batteries, spot check. Mm-hmm. You know, the initial ten, first t- 10 or 20,000, they x-ray them all, and then for future, they'll do spot checks because when you take an x-ray of the batteries, if there's any type of metal in there, and that's what causes the, the contamination right. and what causes them to overheat is metal, microscopic metal flakes within the lithium-ion oh, substrates and right. stuff like that yeah. and causes them to overheat because they charge mm-hmm. too fast or discharge too fast and they explode. So by taking an x-ray of the batteries, it'll, you know, you, you ever have a, um, a nail in your finger and you ever have an x-ray take? Oh, mm. you've never done that. I've had a nail. <laughs> so it shows up as a big bright spot <laughs> on the x-ray. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So everybody out there, you can call in about not only um, PC and Windows questions, you can now call in about Mac and uh, Mac-related questions because Cal is done fixing my iPhone. So I just (laughs) he's now available to answer questions. There is some benefit of of doing this show, I will tell you. We we have uh, abused that uh, privilege for a long time. Let's say hello to Leslie. Leslie, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How can we help you? Hey, guys. Hello. I don't have my I don't have my laptop in front of me. I happened to get in the car and you guys were on, so Good. I gave you a quick call. I bought I have a new laptop mm-hmm. and it has Windows ten on it. Okay. I've only downloaded uh Facebook and it keeps giving me messages that I am running low on storage oh, dear. and asking me if I need want to update my driver. Well, this is a new brand new laptop. Yeah. And I don't I I don't understand yeah, it doesn't, or it doesn't make much wondering. sense. Yeah. Cal? Well, uh, let me ask you this question. So you got this brand new laptop, right? Yep. Took yep. it did you set it up when you got it or did someone else set it up for you? No, I did it. Okay, and when you took you mean, it out, like turned it on. Yeah, when you turned it on for the first time, and you set up Windows, and it says, "Hey, you want to set up an Outlook account?" And then you said, "Yeah," and you made up, you know, I'm Joe Schmo at Outlook dot com, and that sort of thing. And you went through that entire setup process. At the end of that process, it came up and said, "You know something? We got a lot of patches and updates to load onto this thing, and it may take hours." Just wanted to let you know that it's going to be a lot, and you know, make sure you're not like on a dial-up connection where it's going to cost you a lot of money. Did you let that run? No. I'm. Sus- I, it, it asks me quite often, or tells me that it's doing updates. Yeah, and, and quite often that's when it says I'm low on storage. Well, that's not right. So, no. who, what is the manufacturer of this laptop? Is it a Dell, a Hewlett Packard, a Toshiba? Oh, uh, he, he, HP. He, HP. HP, yeah. yeah Hewlett Packard. Okay. Okay, hold on. Yep. Hang on, Leslie. We're going to come back and see if we can tackle this because you're right, a brand new computer should not be running out of storage when you're just simply setting it up. And we'll be back with Leslie in just a moment to answer her question and get some insight on that. But we also have a phone number here for you at 800 859 Give us a call. Welcome to the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown here, your co-producer and uh, co-host of the program, along with Gary Baker, Ed Riddell, and Cal Carson. That's a whole bunch of people standing by, ready to help you with your problem on the, your computer, getting on the Internet, getting around it, or sometimes, as we say, getting over it. Now, we are on an hour later than we have traditionally been on, and this will be the pattern 
for the spring and summer. And uh, that is where I'm from, 5 until 7 o'clock. So you uh, may be just passing by and thought, well, wait a minute, what are you guys doing here now at this hour? We are going to be on until 7 o'clock right now with our open lines to answer your questions. And this has been, if you will, kind of the secret sauce of this program is that we have been here to answer your questions, to kind of noodle through it with you, and hopefully, and we know from past experiences, as a matter of fact, helping to solve a whole lot of people's problems as you share your issue with us. So the number is 800-859-0957, or another way of saying that is 800-859-0WJR, all right? And uh, the only dumb question, as we've said so many times, is the one you don't ask. Get on and get some help. All right, let's go back out to Leslie. Leslie, welcome to the Internet Advisor again. Now, your problem was you have a brand new computer laptop. It's an HP, and it's running Windows 10, and you've only got Facebook on it. But every time... Go ahead. And it was preloaded with a lot. Yeah. A lot of things that, quite frankly, half of them, I don't know what they are. Yeah, I know it's called bloatware for the rest of the people out there. Who well, listen. and and that's one of the reasons why you can offer computers at a, such a low price yep. is that the manufacturers pay Hewlett Packard a certain amount of money to put some of this bloatware on there yep. to reduce the cost uh, for you to purchase it at the store. And what we, years ago, remember when, yeah. this, when C-Cleaner first came out? C-Cleaner was designed to get rid of what they called at the time, inelegantly, crapware, <laughs> which is just bloatware. And uh, C-Cleaner uh, is still around, and it's a great uh, uh, tool to use to, you know, just to go into your computer and get rid of stuff that you don't want anymore. Right. Or stuff that isn't going to serve you, you know, you, you don't What's want. What's it called again? Well, C-Cleaner, but really that's, it's referring to, it doesn't uninstall unwanted programs. Um uh, maybe it used to, but right now it gets rid of temporary file, log files, and stuff like that. Right. And it has an excellent uninstall utility. So That's if what the it Windows has, right. uninstall utility doesn't work or is broken, there's an alternate way of yep. using this uninstaller. Right. Right. But so uh, the simplest thing to do is to go into your computer under my computer and look at your hard drive. And when you right mouse click on on what looks like your local disk drive or your C drive, when you right, right. mouse click on that, you could select properties, and a pie chart will be displayed of the total size of your computer, how much is free, and how much is used. Right, I've done that, and, and oh, there's very there's very little free. Then I, I'm going to go with what Cal said. And how long have you had this computer? But you might want to take it back to the store and say, you know, I just bought this computer from you. It's un- hopefully it's under ninety days. And uh, and can you explain to me why where all my disk space is gone? Because I'm only installed Facebook. You know, un- unless you actually ran a utility to transfer files from your old computer to your new one. Yeah, no, I have not done that. Leslie, how big how big is the hard drive on this new computer? Oh, no, it's not big. Um, and again, I apologize. I'm in my car and I don't oh, have it okay. in front of me. So, so do you it, remember offhand what it was like? Uh, was uh, it two fifty six five hundred? 120, 120. Well, let me put it to you this way. When my son looked at it, he said his phone has more storage than this laptop. So could this be, this is a hard drive, uh, you know, the hard drive is um, solid state. Yeah. And she's putting a lot of content on that instead of on the, in the cloud. And that's not intended. Yeah. And and she may have like a, um, um, does she have a Chromebook? No, well, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe no, she got a no, Chrome. it's not a Chrome. But it, it might be 128 
Yeah, um, a small gig, tribe, yeah. a small drive, right? And she filled it up right. with content instead of just the programs and put the content up into OneDrive or iCloud or But whatever. the only thing she put on there was Facebook. Yeah. And that really doesn't have a lot of storage. So do you? T- where do your photos go? Where do mm. you, you know, where? I don't even have any photos on it right now. Yeah, she hasn't I even gotten that I have not loaded far. anything other really? than Facebook because I'll- it kept telling me that I was so low on storage. And it also okay. kept asking me about updating... And this was from the and this was from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I might want to take it back to the store that you yep. purchased it from and say something's wrong with this. They, uh, on on the and then bring the box with you because on the box it should say this computer comes with this size of hard drive, number, yeah, and yeah. I want to mm-hmm. confirm that that's the size that's in here. Right. Because okay. if someone returned the computer, they may have changed out the hard drive. Oh. Um, something okay. went wrong, and maybe it's partitioned improperly. That's, I don't that's know. Pro- that might be it as well. Leslie, how right. big is the screen on this thing? Is this like an eleven-inch screen? It's like probably I think it's only fourteen or fifteen inches. Well, Still, no, decent. then you yeah, and then you should have a decent pounds. yeah, you should have a decent sized hard drive on that thing. Doesn't make any sense that you would be filling up a drive at this particular point. Just out of curiosity, uh, which did you buy from big box store or online? From Walmart. Really? Well, so Walmart should yeah. be able to to yeah, take I would it back and I give would you take it back. I would take it back and say this is not performing properly these are right. the reasons why and either they can exchange you for another one or okay. get your refund yeah 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 okay. okay leslie all right thank you so much yeah That's thank you I for need. thank you for you calling know, before well. you return it to walmart um because i'm not sure if your screen name but you could actually tell the windows to restore it back to its factory settings yes by going Good into point. the uh, control panel i believe it's underneath the was it history file history section and you'll be able to restore it back as you know, just from the manufacturer. Okay. That way, none of your data is on there. I think she should just take it back. She shouldn't have got a funky machine in the first place. Right. She should get a good, clean machine to start with. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's I what think. she thought she got. And so. and she'll get one now. Right? Yep. She'll take yeah. one back, and Walmart will replace it. Okay, Leslie. God, thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry that you've had such a bad experience with that. Uh, The number again, 800-859-0957. And uh, from the uh, slowness of some of the calls coming in, I'm guessing that people are not quite used to the fact that we're on right now from seven uh, from 5 o'clock until 7 o'clock, and that the uh, time that's your program, that's when you can call in with your questions about your computer, about the Internet, whatever it may be, this is the time between 6 and 7 o'clock, and this will be going on through the Springer, and it'll be going on through summer, probably until about mid-August when the sports teams start coming back. But uh, for that period of time, we should be regularly here from 5 until 7 o'clock, and then 6, or 7, 6 to 7 o'clock is your time. That's the time when you can call in with at 800-859-0957. And um, we're going to be getting... Kelly, you want something? Well, I just... I had been talking with Gary about some things with iPhones and stuff like that. And it just dawned on me that, you know, uh, about two weeks ago, they came out with iOS 10.3. And then in oh, yeah. the past week, they've issued iOS 10.3.1 which uh, had some bug fixes in it. And one of the things that the bug fixes were for is for Wi-Fi uh, on some of the iOS devices, not on all the phones, but some of them and some of the other devices. So folks will want to download that update and apply it to their phones, along with there's a couple of... I've had a problem with that that I want to ask you about because it will not let me get it down because it says I I don't have enough space 
That's uh, right. You need one point something gigabytes to You sure uh, do. To, so to you know how you it. get around that? How do you get around oh, that? Oh, it's a piece of cake. Rather than trying to do what you call an over-the-air update, that's when you just hold the phone up, connect the Wi-Fi, and download that update. OTA. If you don't have enough space on your phone to do an over-the-air update, connect the phone to your Mac or your PC. Okay. As long as it's running iTunes and you do the update via iTunes. What happens in that particular case is the update gets downloaded onto the computer and then the computer puts the update against to the phone as opposed to trying to have the phone. Because the phone wants to hold the old configuration in uh, it until it finishes putting the new configuration. So okay. if it craps out, it can roll back to it. Can you mm. say that? <laughs> yes, I can. It can roll yeah, can back. Can you say that it. on TV? <laughs> <laughs> if you happen, if you happen to be doing a casino show, yes. <laughs> I've been having problems though that when I do that, plug it into my computer. Yes, and uh, it still says it can't do it. Then you're not doing it right. All right, then I'm gonna. So ask, do we got to figure that out next right, segment. On this yes. break, we will try to get it done. <laughs> All right, folks, we have lots of folks calling in right now. That's excellent. We'll you get to- back to start answering your questions. Steve in Ohio, we'll be back with you in just a moment after the break here at 800-859-0957. Thank you so much. We got a whole bunch of people standing by. Let's go right now to Steve from Ohio, who has a question for us. Steve, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Thank you. Um, I. Uh, Bought a Carbonite about a year ago. Oh, Carbonite's a backup software, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, just bought a new computer desktop. Yep. And the other one, hard drive, was making noises, so I thought I was getting dangerous, you know. Yep. Good, um, good idea. That makes sense. <laughs> it did the Carbonite, and, and it really did files and documents and pictures and everything all by itself. Over a few days. Oh, it restored your... Okay, good. Restored yeah, your data. New okay. computer. Mm-hmm. Which is why I thought I bought it. But then I couldn't find my Outlook um, address book and my Outlook files. And I had to call them a couple times. And, and uh-huh. they kind of guided me where to find them. But they're not allowed to actually... And, and we did a couple things where they did a remote where they took over my desktop. Yeah, yeah found them for me i stumbled around got it fixed now i'm struggling with the um the chrome um favorites yeah the, your browser favorites okay browser favorites and mm-hmm. i prefer google chrome right right i think i found them the directions they sent me was a link and it just said for windows 10 start button start menu click file explorer and then navigate to the location of your current bookmarks, and that's what took me forever to find. Ah. Uh. Because, it, you know, it's not a very complete direction. If you're a fifth grader, you're probably in good shape. <laughs> so I'm, right. I'm more in your category. Yeah, oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> Parent or grandparent of said fifth grader. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and, and my grandkids are out of state, so they're no help. Um <laughs> Next, yeah. drag and drop your restored bookmark file from the desktop into Windows File Explorer window. Well, when I finally found it, I assumed that I had to uh, create a, 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 an icon on the desktop, which I did. Uh-huh. And to drag it and try to drop it into the Windows File Explorer window, I've done that twice, and there's still no... There's still no bookmarks. Bookmarks. So I'm, I'm missing something. Okay. And again, they can't, won't help me with that. 
and they're referring me to a four-fee service that they double up with. Yeah, I got you. That's why I thought I bought carbon. Yeah, I got you. I hear you. All right. Now, I don't have the luxury of having a Windows 10 machine in front of me, but I think I know what you need to do. You found the file. Is that correct? I think I did. Okay. Is it called bookmarks? Um, yes, but there was more than one there, but the one I found was called uh, bookmarks, yes. So uh, what you need to do is once you found that file is that you have to import those bookmarks back into your Chrome browser. You know, that's probably the case, Cal, because, yes, you could take this file and drag it and drop it on the hidden file location in a Windows system of where it's at. But I like your technique better, where if you already have the bookmark file on your desktop or wherever, you've recovered it with Carbonite, you're right. You can use Chrome and say, import my this bookmark file. So that's an excellent idea. That would be the way I would do it. So go to Chrome. Yes. Yeah, you would start up your Chrome application. Okay. And then within that application, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you go to File, and then down that list, you might see... Well, a, there's no file. You hit the triple dots. Oh, yeah. The, those, the three uh, dots, right. The three the, dots, and you select Bookmarks. <coughs> I have right. it on my computer right now. So, oh. And then you hit the triple dots, select Bookmarks, and then there's an, a drop-down that says Import Bookmarks and Settings. And you should be able to then... What's this triple dot thing? Uh, it's on the top right-hand side, on the right-hand side of the address bar. There are three dots. Um, on the far right-hand side, on the top of I, the bar. When I do Chrome, yeah. Mm-hmm. Am, am I going to the the browser Chrome? Yes. Okay. And and uh, a new tab. No, on the far right of you know you should see the address bar where right. it says Chrome, but on the far right of that you should see a star, a V, and maybe three dots. No where, blue star. And then an orange circle with a white arrow in it. Customize and control Google Chrome is when I when I wave over it. That's what it pops up. Okay, customizing and control Google Chrome. Okay. Uh, you have yes, a different. Yeah, and, and yeah. That's the same thing. I you have. may have an older version. I or a newer version. He's, or, he's running okay. Windows ten. Oh, that's true. Because okay. I am running Windows seven. So yes, click on that. Okay. And then you should see a bookmarks. Got it. And then you have import bookmarks and settings in that menu drop yes, down menu. Yes. Okay. Now what you can do is it's saying it says import from Microsoft Internet Explorer or a bookmark. There's a drop-down menu in the from line yes. from a bookmark file. Bookmarks HTML file. Fi- yes, and mm-hmm. then you select the choose file button at the bottom, and then you navigate to where that you where you've recovered that Carbonite bookmark from on your desktop, which is on your desktop. So you'd select desktop on the left-hand side, <coughs> and. Uh, yeah. The way that they were trying to do it before, yeah, that, that just doesn't make sense. I like Cal's idea better. You know, guys, <laughs> I, whenever I've reinstalled Google Chrome, uh, I, it, it requires me to enter my Gmail uh, address as, a, as like a password mm-hmm. to get in. And as soon as I do that, voomp, it, it brings back my bookmarks. That is also, oh, that's an excellent point. And I forgot about that. When you log into Google Chrome, if you were logged in before yeah. and not surfing anonymously, it does back them up to your Google account. Yeah, exactly. So do you have a Google account, um, Steve? I think so. Okay. Well, you know, I would almost suggest, guys, what do you think about this? Erase Google Chrome. Get it mm-hmm. off your computer. Or not even that. Uninstall it. log I mean, in. Uninstall and, it? Well, well, here's my thought is uninstall it. 
download it again. When you download it, it should prompt no, you to... No, oh, no. no, you don't even have to do that. You can oh, okay. just go to that same area that you were at and go, you know, instead of going into bookmarks, you go into settings. Okay. And the very top line of Google Chrome settings is sign into Google. Oh, there you go. All right. So yeah. sign into Google, and then what it should do at that point is, and this is why I've loved Google Chrome, is it saves all the bookmarks. And I don't have to bother Boy, putting you them could, back in. You could tell Google Chrome is not my preferred browser. Because <laughs> <laughs> both of you guys told me better ways of doing it than I probably would have figured out. <laughs> okay, so take a crack at that, Steve, and let us know how it works for you, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you very much right. as well. All right. Thanks, Steve. Okay, let's... I, uh, I would have had better luck helping him navigate his uh, Outlook personal folders. Yes. settings. I know yeah, how to well, do no, that. No, like that's the back good. of my hand. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, I think, trust uh, either Edge... When you get to Google, when you get the new Windows 10, either Edge, uh, and Gary, which one of you use? You're on a Surface. I use the I use Chrome. Yeah. You use uh, Chrome, and I, I, Edge does. You know, when it first came out, it was kind of hobbled, so yeah, I stopped using it, and I haven't got I haven't picked it back up because Chrome works for me. I found it, and works. I use IE sometimes as well. Yeah, okay. As a I, yeah, I when I use a, a Windows 10 machine, I actually use IE. I like it better. Edge, Internet Explorer. I, I had the same uh, bad taste with yep, Edge in I the beginning. I did too. And, and every time I look at it, I still, I'm edgy about it. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Deb in St. Clair on that pun. Woo. Get the odor out of the room here. Hello, Deb. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. Hi. I've got a question about my iPad 2. Okay. Okay. And I don't know if you could tell me how to fix it or whether I scrap it and buy a new one, but it just randomly shuts off and goes to a, bla a black screen in the middle of an application, in the middle of a game, in the middle of email. Mm -hmm. It just crashes and goes black screen. And then after a couple of minutes, I hit home key and it comes back up to the... Mm regular icon page and is the battery fully charged uh, during this time yes um have you oh let's see it's an ipad 2 does it have a camera on it yes mm -hmm. on the back and mm -hmm. the front no just on the back it's a, it's older it's a few years old yeah, okay yeah, yeah. so your your highest level you can get on there is 9.3.5 um, i think that's where i'm at yeah uh, because i brought it into the apple store because I tried to download a, a large file in my mail, mm -hmm. and it crashed uh, both my Exchange and my Gmail. So they reset it back to factory, and I had to load everything back on. Mm. And you know, uh, now it's just randomly. It's You know, you know sometimes I'm, it'll run for an hour, sometimes it'll blank out in two minutes. You know, I'm thinking this is a feature for some parents that want to get their kids off their iPad? I'm not just, <laughs> I know it doesn't help you, but I'm just thinking, hmm, could I have used that a few times? It, 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 it seems like a common problem because I Googled uh, it and it said to hold the power key and the home key until the Apple icon comes up. Yeah, for a hard reset. Calling a hard boot. Yeah, hard reset, yeah. Yeah, I did that. And then uh, what I've done is Somebody told me to clear the cache, and somebody told me to clear the history, mm -hmm. and it still does it. I think you're just at the point where you, now, if you want to continue using an iPad, it's probably time to go out and buy a new one. Yeah, it's really at its end of life. First of all, this one's pretty much at the end of life. You can't update it anymore, and uh, I, I think memory is, is uh, getting to be a real issue with the mm -hmm. new, more sophisticated programs you want to run on it. 
Okay. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Deb. Sorry we can't get more detail than that, but we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you so much for joining us now on our brand new time slot here for our listener questions, and that is from 6 until 7 o'clock, and the number is 800-859-0957. Thanks to Mike Stetz, our engineer, and to Logan Stantifer, our producer, who have been helping us to... uh, deal with some of the challenges we have behind the glass, as we say. Tim from Dundee, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How can we help you, sir? Well, thank you. I've got a Windows 10 computer that I upgraded back when they offered it for free from a Windows 7. Mm -hmm. It's a computer I made myself. And I want to reinstall it, if possible, because it just gives me various different problems. But whenever I look into it, it always seems to say that to reinstall it is going to wipe out all the programs that I have installed and that I'd have to start that from scratch. Do you know if there's a way that I can reinstall Windows 10 on this computer without losing all of the programs that I've already installed on it? Um, Boy. System restore? Well, no, not really. I mean, there is a way of... I'm trying to think of the term Microsoft uses. I think the short answer is... No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very short. Yeah, very short. I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I thought I thought you were going to go on along the lines of uh, um, of whether or not if you reinstalled Windows, would you have to enter in the product key? And if you have a computer that was made after that's that that has the um, um, UEFI or UEFI BIOS which is a, a more modern version of the BIOS, the license is actually stored in the BIOS now. So you don't even I have found to... the, the Windows 10 uh, license number. I can't remember how, but I'm sure I could do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I download a product key utility that's out on the internet. Yeah. And then, yeah, I have it just in case. But I don't think... So I, I thought... No, you, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. Um, it's what, just never run as flawlessly as I've got a laptop that came with 10, and it works very, very well. But this one just seems to have some funky habits. Like, for example, if I want to take it out of sleep mode, yeah, take, it takes like two minutes. just sits there in that little that circle thing that spins, you know, yeah. those dots. They spin at super slow motion. Mm. And it just, it just has... And then every now and then it freezes up and gives me that blue screen that says, oops, we have to reboot now. We're going to collect some, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, it's you know just- what I did with my wife's computer is I went to a store and bought a, I don't know how much disk drive space you have on. Is this a laptop or a desktop? It's a desktop, but I've got more than enough disk space. Okay. I was going to say I bought a solid state for my wife's laptop and was able to install Windows 10 cleanly on a solid state 500 gigabyte drive and i think it was only uh a couple hundred dollars and i i I was able to install it and that computer ran so much faster and but but it was a laptop you're talking you have a desktop you probably have you probably have a lot more disk space requirements yeah but if i was to get like let's say i was to get a solid space just to run windows 10 on yeah and then you can use the other one now what could i still run my programs off of my c drive off the off the old C drive, no, because most programs install. Um, then it's not like a Mac where it just installs it in, everything self contained in in a single folder as a package. It it installs files all over the computer, and you have to have the original installation media. So it is really you, you, there. There's a company out there that actually s- sells utilities that'll actually go out there and and 
locate a program file and then recreate an install for you, but it's kind of pricey. Can he do it this way? Uh, he wants to get more dry space. Is that what the no. issue is? He's running slow, and he just wants to reinstall Windows 10 clean, but he doesn't want to lose all his program files. Can he just ghost it somehow? He could ghost it, but if he ghosts it to another computer, all he is, hard is ghosting drive, the same problem. Same problem. problem. Same problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really a clean install is the way to go, and if you don't have the original installation media, you know that that you're so, you're sort of stuck. Well, you, I think I can reinstall it. I think I've got, like I said, the product key and those kind of things. I just didn't want to have to then yeah, go right. through the problem of right. okay, I got to load every single program I've got, and I've got a lot of little specialized programs that I use yeah. for this and that, and it's yeah. just what a pain that would be, you know? Yeah, yeah. but unfortunately, yeah. you're kind of stuck in this particular situation. What's more of a pain, the pain of the slow computer or the pain of doing the work at one well, time to make it real bad? time, the slow computer's been the least, of the, of the, the, the least bad. The so. lesser of the two oh, evils. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. You know, but it, what, what I've done, like I said, go out and buy another hard drive there, Dirt cheap, especially for if it's yeah. an if yeah. it's an e, EIDE, you could buy one. Um, you could buy a Microsoft terabyte Center, for about fifty bucks. Fifty bucks, yeah. and 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 you throw it in there. You can actually install a clean version of Windows Ten on there. Pull out the old hard drive, set it on a shelf, and you can go back and forth later on. And uh, it doesn't even have to be solid state. And uh, you could, you'll once you get the operating system, you know, running cleanly, you know. It, Is this an older computer? Um. It's probably maybe four years old, five years old, something like that. Buy it just a new CPU. The rest of it, it's, you know, he could reuse. And he could probably get that with Windows 10 on it. He's still going to have to. And that's the problem, isn't Oh, he's going to have to reinstall, period. That's just the end of the game. I know it hurts. But you just got to do it. I mean, there's no other way to get around. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've done it. Sorry, I used to do <laughs> it four have. times a year on 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 and at least three different computers at I, my house. I one swear, the, if we had a magic wand, we'd give it to you. But it <laughs> it just isn't there. And one of the upsides of of reinstalling the programs is you'll get to go through the programs and decide which ones you really need, right? And which ones you don't. Because, right. Yeah. And, and okay. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a silver bullet here. Yeah, I know it's not what you want to hear, but yeah, that's the reality of the game. All right, Tim, sorry about that. Uh, hey, listen, appreciate you at least clearing it up for me. Thanks yeah. a bunch. Have a great day. You're welcome. Hey, Thank you so much. consider solid state. You want to talk about reviving a four- or five-year-old computer? If you can afford a solid state in there, oh, my goodness. It's so much faster. All right. Let's go to Jay. You have a question for us. Jay, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Yeah, before I get to that, I just have a bit of a possible advice for the last caller. Oh, yeah. I'm just wondering if uh, there's two things uh, come to mind. One is Windows updates. Sometimes the settings on there are such that they may download the updates but not install them. You might want to check and make sure he has the latest Windows updates and it's actually installing them. Uh, the other thing is uh, it's... It sounds almost like there's something using up a lot of its memory, or maybe he just doesn't have enough memory to start with. It could be uh, some of the programs he's running that aren't uh, necessary that are starting up uh, at the beginning when he turns the computer on, and it could be possibly uh, uh, a virus or uh, some malware that's that's using up his memory. yeah, those, anyhow, those are all good points. Yep. Those, those are all very, very good points. How can we help you? Because we're running out of time right now, and I want to make sure. Oh, yeah, okay. Is anybody there familiar with uh, computers from way back when? I have two PCs from the 80s, and they both still run. One's an <laughs> XP, 
This one's an XT286. My, uh, the bottom line problem is I want to get the uh, stuff off of them uh, before they crash. Uh, and, you know, they don't, there wasn't any USBs or any uh, ports oh. or anything on them. Yeah. And I wondered if you guys had any suggestions. If not, <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple things that, uh, if you've heard of any of them, maybe you could uh, point me in the right direction. Wow. The best thing to do is to go out on eBay and see if you can find any IDE external enclosures and uh, for a hard drive, and then you would take out those hard drives. Well, those hard drives are resistor-based, RL drives. He's not even going to be able to use them. They're RLL or MFM, which there's... Uh, there's a wide ribbon on it that's wider than the floppies, and yep. then there's a narrow one. I don't see any hope with that, but maybe you, uh, I could play this. I tell you what, Jay, we're going to put you on hold, and uh, we'll see yeah, if nothing comes offline. to mind immediately, yes. Okay. Thanks, Jay, for your call. What'd you know, the last one? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody wants to create. Yeah. Well, the, the, if, it, if he has Windows 3.1 on there, you could put a network card in there. All right. <laughs> in a, with a 16-bit network card. Thanks Good again job. so much to everybody who's made this program possible. Don't forget that we're on regularly now from 5 to 7 on Saturdays. And Sunday night, you can get us at internetadvisor.net. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.